and welcome back to Nerd is the New Cool Podcast. I'm Justin. I'm Josh. And I'm John. Yeah, so here we are. We're here to do a little uh, 50s television, start our new series on all the different decades of TV. Uh, but first, let's get into what we just nerded out on. Absolutely. So, Justin and I actually nerded out on the same thing. Did you guys like do it together and sip bottles of wine while you did this? We did not. Okay. We just FaceTime the whole time while we were watching okay. every episode. So, so we okay. could see each other's reaction to okay. everything going on. Okay. Yeah, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Is that how you watch all your television shows uh, with your friends? Yeah, no. <laughs> so we nerded out on The Witcher, which is the story of Geralt of Rivia, a solitary monster hunter, as he struggles to find his place in the world where often, where people are often proved more wicked than beasts. Yeah, so it's a, what it is, it's a fantasy, fantasy series of novels and short stories written by Polish author, uh, I don't know how to actually say his first name, um, Andrzejew? That doesn't matter. Let's uh, just go with Andre. Let's go with uh, Sapkowski. That's what we're going to call him, Mr. Sapkowski. Yeah. Uh, it was the first book, The Last Wish, debuted in Poland in 1993 and in the U.S. in 2007. And it was actually originally a short story collection. Yeah, and it, the TV show debuted on December 20th, 2019 on Netflix. And it is written by Lauren Schmidt, who did The Umbrella Academy, Defenders, and Daredevil. So she's kind of like a Netflix guru. Yeah, she's written some pretty cool things. Yeah, the, and those are some pretty good shows it stars henry cavill as Geralt of rivia who was in man of steel and the count of monte cristo great film which josh didn't know that was henry cavill did not no he was also in the latest mission impossible movie as well yeah yes he was he's been in a lot of things he's just you know he's dreamy it also stars freya allen as siri who was in the war of the worlds the most recent uh film is that like the cell phone siri like the iPhone, Apple, is the Apple iPhone in the in the movie or in the show? What? Siri, <laughs> Siri, get it? I didn't get it, and now no, I totally, I totally got it. It you? was just a bad joke. Oh, okay, hey, hey, sorry. I'm a dad. I have dad. Jokes. That was a pretty good okay, dad joke. So, and by good, I mean terrible. <laughs> That's good and terrible. Anya Chalatra as Yennefer, who was in the TV shows Sherwood and Wanderlust. It has Mimi. Dwenny as Fringilla from The Legend of Tarzan and Cinderella. Eamon Farron as Kahir, New Twin Peaks season. And Mayanna Burig as Tisea from Kill List TV show. I haven't watched the show yet, so if I'm mispronouncing these names, I apologize. No, you're doing a good job. No, okay. that's fine. Uh, it also stars Wilson Raju Pajolt as Dara from the Hunter Street TV show. Adam Levy as Mouse Sack. From the Rome TV show. Who does he play in Rome? Have you guys seen Rome? I have not seen Rome. Oh, Rome so. is fantastic. It's a great yeah, show. You should. Add, you, who does he play in Rome? I haven't you seen know that. I haven't seen uh, this show, so I couldn't tell oh, you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Beatty as Jashkir, who is in the White Queen. Yaskir. Yaskir, which is which is interesting because his name in the book is actually Dandelion. Oh, really? Yeah. They changed the name. They changed the name. Well, I think Yashkir is dandelion in Polish, so I oh. think that's how they did oh. that. Got it. Clever. So, very, Yeah, very clever. And then Lars Mikkelsen is Stregobor, who's in House of Cards and Brother of Mads and Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange, Casino Royale. He is the brother of Mads. Yeah, he's the brother of Mads. So, I mean, Mikkel- yeah. remember, the, remember the bad guy in Doctor Strange? The bad guy in Casino Royale? I'm looking at you, John. Uh, <laughs> no, I remember who he was in House of Cards, though, because he was... 
He was the Russian president in House of Cards. Yeah, but I'm saying... His, this is his brother. His brother Mads is Mads. Is his brother. Oh. He has a brother. His name is Mads. And no, Mads no. is he in... He was the guy in Casino Royale with the weird eye. Oh, yeah. I got brother. you. Mr. Yep. Mr. Doctor. Sorry, Mr. Doctor. It's just Doctor. He's also okay, Hannibal doctor. Lecter in a TV show. Yeah, yeah I think and, I know who you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, the TV about. show Hannibal, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. We got that. We got through that. It's been a great show that so was, far, guys. Let's keep it up. That was fantastic. That was rough. Uh, so what are our thoughts on this uh, TV show? Um, I didn't realize that they were altering timelines until about halfway through it. Yeah. Remember, some of us have not seen this, so this is spoiler-free here. Well, it's but it's not really. But I, I know that there. Were, I saw that on Facebook that there's alternative. It's, and it's not time. even really a spoiler. You can, if you are paying attention, you can figure it out. It's just, it's just can be confusing. Yeah, and, and I think so. We're really just helping out people not be confused. We're helping you not be confused, Josh. And I've done, and I've, and I've read a little bit. And apparently, like if if you would have read the books, you would have picked, you would have known that and picked up on that because, it, it, you know, we described the first book as a series of short stories. I'm actually. I'm on chapter four of the first book, and it really is. Like, chapter one is one story. Chapter two is him having another adventure. Chapter three is a wholly other one. Yeah. And that's how that's how the first book is going. So that's kind of how this is set up. And they're, they're trying to tie them together to have an overall plot, but it was kind of confusing. And I actually want to go back and rewatch it so j- now that I know kind of what's going on. Well, they did that because the Siri character doesn't even appear until, I think, the third book. So they wanted to bring her in to like introduce her as a major character throughout the entire story series for the most part. Okay, I think it's an awesome show. I love it, like especially with how down I after I saw the last season of Game of Thrones, I have been. This was just a really cool, refreshing new show that uh, has a lot of feelings to it. It's by no means a Game of Thrones type show. It's funnier. It's got some more ridiculousness in it. It's also a little bit more like just straight up fantasy. But Henry Cavill is incredible. I, I don't know. I just I, Jennifer is. Uh, I mean, she's easy on the eyes, and my wife will agree with me. Um, it's just a, you know, it's just it's just fun. It's yeah, fun no, show. and and yeah, and I, I really enjoy the show as well. And there's actually some funny memes out there from from how many times girl drops the f bomb on yeah occasionally, and just kind of he she'll just kind of say it off that like nothing's happening, and he'll something will happen, and he'll just drop one. He's just grumpy too. He is. He's a very, <laughs> very grumpy man. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. But I definitely enjoy it, and I'm looking forward to the next season. Yeah, me too. Josh, right. what have you been? What have you been yeah. nerding out on? So I have been nerding out on Man and the High Castle. Great show. It is phenomenal. Have you finished it? I have not. Yeah. Are you going to tell us about the? Is yeah. This, this is the last this, season you've seen. No, I've been. On, I am on the last season now. I'll just give you a overall summary. It's the Nazis and the Japanese won World War II. There are resistance fighters in a dystopian America dominated by Nazi Germany and Japan. We have this woman, Juliana Crane, who is trying to discover her place in the world. This is another kind of confusing show, uh, alternate realities and stuff, but it's phenomenal. It is really good. We'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah, so the show debuted uh, January 15, 2015 on Amazon Prime. It was created by Frank Spotnitz, and it's I mean, well... John's gonna about to say what it's based on, but this thing came out in nineteen like nineteen fifties. Mm-hmm. The novel, I'll just say it. Huh. It was based on a novel by Philip K. Dick that came out in the fifties. This is this is what's insane about it. It's about what happened if the Nazis had won the war. Like to write a book about that, like a less than a decade after the World War Two, after World War Two, is cra- very ambitious. Let's and I'm, put that I'm a big fan yeah. of reading. Like I've got a book called Alternate History where they had these scholars write. Oh, if this happened, like if Alexander the Great didn't die, 
what would have happened. So I'm a big fan of alternate history. Just I find it interesting as to what would have happened. This would not have been fun. I'm, so. I'm thinking. I'm trying to remember that quote from Royal Tenenbaums when he goes, "We all know that who who died at the Battle of uh, Little Bighorn." Custer. We all know Custer died at the Battle of Little Bighorn, but my book presupposes is maybe he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember that film, but that's no. All right. Anyway. So the the show stars Rufus Sewell as John Smith, Alexa Davalos as Julianne Crane, and Luke Kleintak as as Joe Blake. Yeah, as Joe Blake. In order to avoid spoilers, my research cut off there, and I didn't go back. And so it's got Luke Kleintak as Joe Blake and Rupert Evans as Frank Frink. Okay. So my bad on that. So you okay. so tell so you like it? I yeah I love this show. Um, I was on season three. I am now. I have two. I have three episodes left in the series. It's a four se- four episode four episode four season series. So I have three episodes left, and I'll probably be finishing this weekend, most likely. But highly recommend it. It can be confusing. It's not a show where you can like sit on your phone and watch. You have to be paying attention to it. Well, in the in the the show, like the book ends after the first season. Yeah. And then so the next three seasons are all completely brand new they have nothing to do with i mean they're based on the source material so all right on to the main event which again we're gonna kind of walk through each decade of television um and we're gonna start with tv of the 50s and then again every every month we'll have a new decade we're talking about we're gonna break down some some significance about that decade we'll talk about some shows that were pretty well known and then obviously we'll talk about um some of our favorites that we've either seen or that were pretty impactful so there we go yep so let's just look at some background and stats um tv was huge in the 1950s it kind of shaped the decade at the end of World War II, the TV was only a toy for a few thousand wealthy Americans. Just 10 years later, nearly two-thirds of American households had a TV. And to to add to that, so at the start of the decade, there were about 3 million TV owners. By the end of it, there were 55 million watching shows from 530 different stations. The average price of TV sets dropped from about $500 in 1949 to 200 in 1953. That's a pretty significant drop. (laughs) Yeah, and five hundred dollars for a TV in nineteen forty nine is expensive. Yeah, yeah, but then it dropped two hundred dollars in four years. I mean, that's a over yeah. fifty or hundred percent decrease. The biggest selling periodical of the decade was TV Guide. In a nation once marked by strong regional differences, network television programming blurred these distinctions and basically helped forge kind of what we consider now a national pop culture. Yeah, and because of all these people owning TVs, we see the commercial being born which I think the commercial is kind of now becoming a thing of the past. You know, we're kind of coming full circle to where I don't remember the last time I watched a commercial that wasn't a blues game or something like that. Yeah, yeah, live television is where they're going to start making all their money with commercials, but they're using other things like product placement. Yes. Yep. So then by late 1948, over 900 companies had bought TV broadcast time for advertising. By 1950, sponsors were leaving the radio for TV at an unstoppable rate. Television sponsors ranged from greeting cards to automobiles, but perhaps the most advertised product was tobacco. TV Guide voted Lucky Strikes, Be Happy, Go Lucky ad commercial of the year for 1950, and Philip Morse sponsored I Love Lucy for years, inserting cartoon cigarette packs in the show's opening animation. Cartoon characters were common in 50s commercials, representing everything from light bulbs to beer. In 1950. 
Coca-Cola launched its first television ad campaign using a combination of animation and celebrity endorsement. Can you imagine watching like American Idol and be like, this brought to you by Lucky Strike here by uh, yeah. Camel. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and it's it's the sign of the times. Yeah, it's pretty funny. By 1954, TV commercials were the leading advertising medium in America. And the life of the American consumer basically is never going to be the same. Yeah, and there are two major developments in the 50s that set up TV as a news medium of the future. And that was the development and establishment of the coaxial cable linking the east and west coast to where footage could be moved electronically instead of physically, and the invention of the videotape, which allowed the use of pre-recorded footage, such as its studio interviews. And then we'll see in 1960, as a history guy, I'm sure John knows this, 1960 is when they start doing the TV debates in the presidential elections to where it really gets going. Yeah. So. so let's dig into some of the top 10 TV shows in 1950. You know, number one was the Texaco Star Theater, which aired on NBC. Number two, the Fireside Theater, also on NBC. What you're going to notice is basically these are all either on NBC, CBS, or ABC. That's <laughs> probably because they were the only channels. That's about all they had. That's, well, all, they, that's all they had. Yeah, that's... Yeah. So we got the, the Philco TV Playhouse on NBC, Your Show of Shows, the, Col- the Colgate Comedy Hour, and Gillette Calvacade of Sports, all on NBC. Yeah. And then on ABC, we have The Lone Ranger, Arthur Godfrey's Talent Scouts on CBS, Hopalong Cassidy, NBC, and Mama on CBS. And then flashing forward, the top 10 TV shows at the end of the decade in 1959 were Gunsmoke on C- on CBS, Wagon Train on NBC. We had uh, Have Gun, Will Travel, The Danny Thomas Show, The Red Skelton Show, and Father Knows Best, all on CBS. And then 77, Sunset, Sunset Strip on ABC. The Price is Right on NBC. Was Bob Barker the... Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Was he? I should have looked. We're going to look that up here while I... Um, and then Wanted, Dead or Alive on CBS, and Perry Mason on CBS. Yeah, we've got a bunch of honorable mentions, too. So these are kind of movies that we thought that either came out in the 50s or were most popular in the 50s. Yeah. So The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, The Honeymooners, Lassie. I have to give Lassie a shout-out. That was one of my first dogs. And That was the name of the dog? That was my dog's name, Lassie. And was... Is, was a collie as well? Yes, she was okay. a collie. She was sure. a did, she, did she warn you when Timmy fell down the wall? Or when Jonah fell down the well? Yeah. yeah. No, we wouldn't have saved him. We would have just <laughs> laughed at him and said, yeah. ha-ha. Ha-ha, he is in the well. That's funny. Thanks yes. for telling us, Lassie. Mm-hmm. Let's take pictures. The Lone Ranger came out. The Ed Sullivan Show. These are some of the shows that I think, I mean, the, the ones we mentioned previously, you may have heard of a few of them, depending on how old you are, but these are definitely a little more well-known. Yeah, then we have Alfred Hitchcock Presents. One of my personal favorites, Davy Crockett, The King of the Wild Frontier, and I Love Lucy. And then also Gunsmoke, and then Bonanza. And a quick quick side note, going back to The Price is Right. So Bill Cullen was the host when it first aired in 1956, Bob Barker, and then the show was revamped in 1972, and that's when Bob Barker started hosting. Mm. And then he beat up Happy Gilmore 20 years later, 25 years later. He is so also a... The price is wrong. He is also a Sigma Nu. <laughs> we're, we're getting a little tired of the Sigma everywhere. Nu shout-outs on this show. <laughs> well, there okay. aren't a lot in the ones that I just remember. A lot of them. <laughs> I'm going to mention. 
All right, so let's <laughs> let's get into the three shows that we all picked to decide to go into in more depth. The first show is Leave It to Beaver. I picked this show. One of the reasons I picked this show is because I loved the movie, speaking of Happy Gilmore, of the 90s. Have you guys seen the one with Shooter McGavin as Ward Beaver in the 90s? It is a classic I don't think I've movie. seen that one. Yeah, I haven't seen that, no. It is hilarious. So that's why I picked this show. The plot. The Cleavers of the 1950s All-American Family. It's like a family sitcom. Parents Ward and June and older brother Wally try to keep Theodore, the beaver, out of trouble. However, Beaver continues to end up in one of a kind of jam or another. Unlike real life, these situations are always easily resolved to the satisfaction of all involved, and the Beaver gets off with a few stern, moralistic words of parental advice. Instigator and troublemaker Eddie Haskell is an older kid who always manages to avoid being caught. I mean, it's really just the beginning of like the classic sitcom yeah. storyline. Yeah, the, right? the family sitcom. of yep. Yeah. One of the kids gets in trouble. Everyone learns a lesson. Nothing too deep and dark, right? Nope. It's pretty light. Uh, it aired from 1957 to 1963. So even though this is like one of the most iconic shows of all time. That kind of surprised me that it was only on for six years. Right, six years? It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And it was, so it was written, directed, and created by Joe Connolly, who wrote Major Pain. Now, is that, is that the movie Major yeah, Pain? The ma- I the thought movie. that was The hilarious. Damon Wayans Major Pain? Yeah, when I was looking that's, at this, I'm like, that is awesome. such a wide-ranging, different movie that I was like, I have to put that in there because that is hilarious. And yes. then Bob Mosher, who also wrote, helped write Major Pain, and Dick Conway, who wrote Petticoat Junction. A lot of Major Pain uh, influences here. I love it. Stars Barbara Billingsley as June Cleaver, who was also in Airplane <laughs> and Mark and Mindy. Uh, that's just her, her appearance in Airplane yeah. is amazing. Excuse yeah. me. I speak jive. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jerry Mathers as the Beaver. He was in The Love Boat and The Trouble with Harry. Hugh Beaumont as Ward Cleaver. He was in Too Many Winners in The Mole People. Tony Dow as Wally Cleaver, who was in Star Trek Deep Space, Mi- Deep Space Nine and Crusade. And Ken Osmond as Eddie Haskell in the Leave It to Beaver movie and Hi Honey I'm Home. Yep. So let's let's talk nerd facts. Um, so when filming was shifted to Universal's back lot, then known as Universal International, a new house was built. This house remained as a standing set and was later used for many other television programs and motion pictures. It's now become like a popular attraction on Universal's tour. Um, and even 40 years after the show ended, the still standing set is known as the Cleaver House. Yeah, and so there was a popular rumor that had surfaced in the about the show years later is that the notorious rock legend Alice Cooper had actually played Eddie Haskell. This stems from an interview that Cooper gave when he said he was like Eddie Haskell as a kid. He, of course, meant that he was similar in behavior and attitude, not that he portrayed him on the show. I mean, I think we probably all got a little Eddie Haskell in us from time to time. You think you do? I did. <laughs> Anymore, no, I don't. All right. And Jerry Mathers wore his Cub Scout uniform to his audition. During the audition, he told the casting directors that he was anxious to leave for his den meeting. The producers were charmed with Mathers' innocence, candor, and cast him in the title role. This is this was in a way the first show to show a toilet, and in a way it also wasn't. They didn't actually show the toilet pedestal and seat. But they did show the toilet tank and flush handle. 
What a random thing yeah. to know. Is that like controversial to show it? Maybe it was back in the 50s. Toilet? I don't know. Who the heck knows? Yeah. You don't see a lot of people going to the bathroom on TV. No, you don't. No. Ever. Or in movies. Speaking of like like Jack Bauer, never went to the bathroom on that show. I always found that interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it wasn't a... All right. And Lambert <laughs> hasn't seen 24. Or am Bladder I right like a camel. That? It's Jack Bauer. It's just one day. It's just one day. I he mean, can, he can, he hold can hold it. For it. A day. Yes. Lambert, have you seen 24? I uh, Maybe like a couple episodes uh, here and there, but no, not really. I couldn't really get into it. So the beeping good. just kind of annoyed me. <laughs> so uh, good. That is kidding. true. Yeah, and this, the show's situations were based on the experiences of the writer's children. Joe Connolly based Beaver and Wally on his own sons, while Eddie and Larry were based on their friends. Connolly would take the boys out and record their conversations in his notebook. Just as an aside to my life, my little brother was like the Beaver growing up because he would always hang out with this, his older brother and his friends, and hang out with us. So he was very... Leave it to Beaver. Like, we call them that sometimes, the Beaver. That's Joe and I hope you're listening. That's not surprising. Yes. <laughs> the character Eddie Haskell was ranked number two in TV Guide's list of TV's 10 biggest brats in their March 2005 issue. So, the character Ward Cleaver was ranked number 28 as the 50 greatest TV dads of all time in June 2004. And I also want to mention. The you know the fact the show was only on for six years is one thing, but there were actually two hundred and thirty five episodes filmed. Think about that for a second. That's a lot of work, right? So how many episodes? Like forty episodes a season. Yeah. So that's probably why it's so. I mean, it's obviously well known because what it was, but at the same time, like that's a crap ton of episodes. Yeah, and then something interesting about this show: they never had a Christmas or Thanksgiving episode. Which is odd for sitcoms in that era, and really even in this era, you have a lot of sitcoms that have the Christmas and Thanksgiving episodes. Well, especially since they when they de- debut, like when they come out, it's around that time of year. Mm-hmm. So it's like the Halloween episode of, you know, whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. And in the early episodes, Eddie Haskell has a pet dog that he keeps telling the boys is a police dog. In real life, Ken Osmond, who played Eddie Haskell, will become a policeman with the LAPD. Pretty cool. So what do we think? Uh, where does this rank, and what does it matter? Why does it matter? I think one of the reasons it matters is because it kind of set the expectations for a whole generation of people to where mom stays at home and her and works in her dress, and dad goes to work, and he's stern, and he comes home, and mom has been home cooking and cleaning and doing the dishes all day. So it really played into... That 50s mentality of gender roles. Well, and that was a reflection of the era. Because oh, for that's, sure. Yeah. That's how it was in the 50s. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like it because without this show, the movie Pleasantville wouldn't exist. And I love the movie Pleasantville. Do you guys not like that movie? Uh, I, I would have to see it again. I know I, I've seen it once, but I haven't I haven't seen it I think probably I turned 20 it off times like you. Halfway through, it is, I was not a fan. It is amazing. They, they, they t- go from black and white to color. Once they find love. Is Tobey Maguire a Sigma Nu? He's not. Oh, okay. No, I don't think so. Actually, I don't know if he is or not. We'll have to check that out. Yeah. I'll, I'll do some reconnaissance work on his Greek affiliation. But I think it matters because it it kind of sets the standard for your typical family sitcom going forward. Like, not to say that sets the standard, but it was kind of the, the first one to do it. So every kind of family comedy and family show that you can see going forward kind of can draw their roots, at least I think from this show i agree yeah and it's it's honestly like it's just got such a unique name and characters too and those are characters that we still use 
in regular dialogue, even though probably a lot of us haven't even ever seen that show or have seen very limited episodes. Right. Like everyone knows Leave it the Beaver or Eddie Haskell. Someone calls you an Eddie Haskell, you like know what that means, mm-hmm. even though you're like, I don't really, I've never, I don't watch that show. <laughs> yeah. like that, right? Or Ward. Even even Eminem's rep, re, you know referencing, yeah. Ward, I think you were a little hard on the little Beaver. beaver. Yeah. yeah. So is Eddie Haskell, Wally, and Miss Cleaver. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome, Eight Mile. Oh jeez. <laughs> no, thank you, Eight Mile. <laughs> Show number two. I, I'm I'm kind of sad. Josh uh, told you what movies he's what movie he selected because I was going to ask at the end if you guys could guess who selected oh. what shows. Well. Because this is well, this is going to be mine. And it's a movie called, or it's a show called Dragnet. General info: the it's the plot is a police detective, Sergeant Joe Friday, and his partners investigate crimes in Los Angeles. Yeah, and it aired from December sixteenth, nineteen fifty one, to August twenty third, nineteen fifty nine, and it was written and directed by Jack Webb, who wrote Adam Twelve. It was a show in the seventies, and then it starred Jack Webb as Sergeant Joe Friday. All things Dragnet. Ben Alexander as Officer Frank Smith, All Quiet on the Western Front, and Olin Sewell as Ray Pinker in The Towering Inferno. Uh, so, some nerd facts about this show, which I just, I mean, can I ask if you guys have seen the show? I have not. Have you seen the film? <laughs> of course I've seen the film. <laughs> have you seen the film? I have not. Oh, Josh, come on, man. Was that an 80s movie? Yes. Yeah. Remember, I'm I'm pretty young still. I wasn't. I was born at the end of the '80s, so I didn't see it in the '80s. No. I didn't watch it when I was six. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 just a great. All right, Dragnet aired on television from 1951 to 1959 with a total of 276 episodes. I mean, they just used to crank these episodes yeah. out. This is insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a Dragnet comic strip which ran from 1952 to 1955, and aside from the comic strips. The TV series also managed to produce a children's book in 1957. And contrary to popular belief, Joe Friday never said just the facts, ma'am, in any episode. The actual phrase was, all we want to know are the facts, ma'am. I like just the facts, ma'am, better. (laughs) They say that in the movie. They do, yeah. Uh, Jack Webb got the idea for Dragnet while he was working on his 1948 real-life murder case film, He Walked by Night he played as a crime lab technician. The documentary style of the film gave Webb the idea for a police drama series. With the help of Chief Parker of the LAPD, Webb created Dragnet. Yeah, and so there was real-life LAPD Detective Galindo, who worked on some of L.A.'s most notorious cases. The Black Dahlia, which they just made a whole show about. 56 serial rapist. The Tate-LaBanca murders was a close friend of Jack Webb. Some episodes are based off... Detective Galindo's exploits as a detective in the LAPD. Detective Galindo was one of the LAPD's first Hispanic cops. I mean, the Tate LaBianca murders, I and mean, that's that's old. It's old Manson. Yeah. Yep. Not Maryland, for those not of you out there. No, it was not no. Maryland, okay? Not Maryland. <laughs> and among the many real-life police officers who, made, who submitted story ideas for the series was future Star Trek, the original series creator, Gene Roddenberry. Good thing he... He it got reje- well. I, I don't know if it got rejected, but good thing he decided to pursue other things as right. well. So much of the series was shot at the Walt Disney Studios in Burbank, California, as Jack Webb agreed to finance the construction of live-action sets for Disney's production company in exchange for its use. So, kind of pat my back, pat your back situation. For a time, the TV series and radio program actually ran concurrently. 
Yeah, and then so in the show, Friday's partners changed early on for various reasons. Barton Yarborough died five days after shooting the second episode. Barney Phillips had a habit of wetting his lips, which made reaction shots difficult. And Herbert Ellis, who was never intended to be permanent, was hurried out for looking too much like Friday. Ironically, Ben Alexander, who became Friday's permanent partner, originally wanted to do only one episode of the show as a character actor. And the, the badges and identification cards used in the series were genuine LAPD items. And Friday's badge number, 714, is the same as the number of Babe Ruth's career home runs in the major leagues. Uh, the number seven was Jack Webb's favorite number. That's also why Joe Friday's badge number was 714, which is seven and seven plus seven. So a couple different reasons why the badge number was what it was. Hmm. Webb was the first civilian who was buried with full police honors. And his badge number was officially retired by the L.A. Police Department. That's pretty cool. That is and when you're, when you're the writer, cool. creator, and the main actor, you can kind of do whatever the heck you yeah. want, right? Midway through the series run, a theatrical spinoff was produced. This is the first Dragnet in 1954. This event marked two firsts in American TV history. The first time a TV series spawned a movie and the first time a movie spinoff was released while the original series was still running. The series spawned two million selling, two million selling hit singles in the in the summer of 1953. Ray Anthony and his orchestra recorded the theme music titled "Dragnet," number two in the U.S. pop charts. In addition, reaching number one on the charts was a three-minute speaking satire recorded by comedian Stan Freiberg, his co-writer Dawes Butler and June Foray, titled "St. George and the Dragonnet." Released again in 1967 as a TV show with Jack Webb starring and had a total of 98 episodes from 1967 to 1970. So it went away for a while, came back again in 67. And then a 52-episode remake of the show aired from 1989 to 1991. Just keeps coming back. Yeah, and then as already stated, it was remade as a movie again in 87, 1987 with Dan Aykroyd as Friday, Tom Hanks as Stiebeck, and Christopher Plummer as the antagonist. It's a pretty good cast right there. That's what we'll see. See the film. Maybe I should see yeah, it. Yeah, you should You should see it. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd plays a fantastic Friday. He really does. And Tom Hanks is, is just great as Seebeck, and he's just kind of a... Tom Hanks is just Tom Hanks. He just <laughs> is Tom Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and finally, a 10-episode series starring Ed O'Neill aired from 2003 to 2004. Ed O'Neill. Why is that name ringing a bell? Who does? What else is you he? You probably in? know him from like Modern Family. Okay. Uh, yeah. Married with children. Married okay. With that's children. yeah. That's where it's ringing. You were not allowed to watch that. I watched that show. Did you? Used to be on at nighttime. Really? Like late <laughs> episodes. He's also in the TV, in the movie Dutch. In case you've ever seen that. I've definitely seen that. <laughs> uh, okay. So why does this film matter? Or this? T- I'm sorry. I keep saying film. Why does this TV show matter? I'll, I mean, I haven't seen this show, but I I can say that. Look how many spinoffs there were and movies being made. So it was obviously an important show for the era to just continually got made. It seems to be one of the first procedurals out there. Yeah, and, and like the police drama that you see now. I mean, how many right? How many police or law enforcement related shows are there out there right now? Yeah, and like this, the real detective series and the fact that it kind of took the medium. Or the, or the radio medium and translated onto television. I mean, that was that was a big thing on radio at the time, like these detective, you know, who done it type things, and to put it on screen, 
on the small screen, uh, I think it's just really iconic. And I think most people know quotes like just the facts, bam. And like you said, just the procedural type type, whether even nowadays, like even if you're talking like documentary TV shows still have that element of, you know, you've got the investigation, you've got the, I mean, whatever, whatever it is, mm-hmm. find the evidence, like cold case too. I and mean, it's just, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And it, it kind of uses, a, you have how many CSI shows where like every, every episode it's solving another case. And then, right. you know, maybe some bleed into two episodes, but it's that kind of format of something happens. Case and then, of the week. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Which it, turned it, me off. I'm not big into those anymore. With, I don't with, really a, with a story TV now, I'm just, it's hard for me to watch series of the week shows. Yeah. I mean, but it's got a real like hour long sitcom feel to it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, all right. Third and final TV show. Yes. And this show is my childhood favorite, but I did not pick this one since we already said that, but. We were talking to my mom about this the other night. It's The Lone Ranger, and it is the adventures of the masked hero and his Native American partner. And it aired from 1949 to 1957, and it was written directed by was written by George W. Trendle, who wrote 212 episodes, and Fran Stryker, who wrote 108. And then the primary director was Hollingsworth Morse, who directed 50 episodes. It stars Clayton Moore as John, who is the Lone Ranger Reed, uh, from 1949 to 1957 for 169 episodes. Uh, G-Men Never Forget. That was something else he was in. John Hart is the Lone Ranger from 1950 to 1953 for 54 episodes, who, who played in the uh, movie Jack Armstrong and Cowboy and the Prize Fighter. Yeah, and it's got Jay Silverheels as Tonto, the Lone Ranger. And Chuck Courtney as Dan Reed, who is a Lone Ranger's nephew. And he's also in Pet Cemetery. And then some some nerd facts on the Lone Ranger. The character was cre- the character was created in the Lone Ranger radio program by George W. Twen- Trendle and Fran Stryker. It first aired on radio station WXYZ in Detroit, Michigan in 1933. The radio program was carried by more than 400 American stations by the end of the decade. Yeah, the Lone Ranger's first movie serial appeared in 1938. And if you don't know what a movie serial is, it's a series of short subjects exhibited in consecutive order at one theater. So generally advancing weekly until the series is complete. So like it's like a TV show in the movie theater. Yeah, or like a miniseries in a movie theater or whatever. Yeah. Yep. The high yo silver shout at the beginning of each episode, which is iconic, is a recording of Earl W. Gracer, who played the Lone Ranger on radio from 1933 to 1941. And in the early 1950s, the show was so popular with the television audience that ABC, for a short period of time, ran it on late Friday nights for those who missed the earlier Thursday 7.30 p.m. broadcast. That's pretty amazing to show it the next day because it's so popular. Yeah. Two days in a row and people are tuning in to watch it. Series creator Fran Stryker added Tonto to give the Lone Ranger someone to talk to. It's very nice. Very nice of him. And the fifth season is the only one to be in color. Yeah, and Tonto's horse is called Scout. And in Spanish, the name Tonto means fool, stupid, or dumb. So when they dubbed the versions that were distributed in Spanish-speaking countries, the character was named Toro, which means bull. And according to Clayton Moore, he and Jay Silverheels had to do most of their own stunts, as well as makeup. That's not very nice to name a guy... 
Tonto. Because he's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> the show was made in the 1940s. Let's remember. Yes, that's right. A little more free and loose right. with, with their racism. Yes. <laughs> and then although the program was broadcast for eight seasons, there were only five seasons with new episodes, which are 49 to 50, 50 to 51, 52 to 53, 54 to 55, and 56 to 57. The Lone Ranger's young nephew, Dan Reed, who appeared occasionally on his show, was the father of Britt Reed, the Green Hornet, who played the, both characters were created for radio by George W. Trendle. This guy's all over the place. Yeah, he is. And then Kimosabi, which is what Tonto calls the Lone Ranger, means trusted friend. In episode one, it is explained that this means trusted scout. Other sources have said that it is a corruption of the Spanish phrase Kiensabi, which means who knows. So we, we went over who kind of played the played the Lone Ranger, and there were two actors. So Clayton Moore actually sat out 52 episodes. The studio claimed it was a pay dispute, but Moore insisted up until his death that it was over creative differences. John Hart was hired to replace him, but the change did not sit well with audience audiences. When George W. Trendle sold the rights for the TV series to Jack Rather in 1954, Rather immediately rehired Moore. Yeah, it's weird to get rid of like your main actor and, and throw somebody else in there. Exactly. And assume that the audience isn't going to yeah. notice. Yeah. Uh, both Republic serials, The Lone Ranger, starring Lee Powell, and The Lone Ranger Rides Again, uh, starring Robert Livingston, have never been released to television. They have, however, been available on home video. Yeah, and The Lone Ranger is never captured nor held very long by lawmen or outlaws in order to avoid the chance of him being unmasked. And although the radio programs ended in 1954 and the television show in 1957, the Lone Ranger's adventures continued in various forms, including the movies The Legend of the Lone Ranger in 1981, which included Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future as Major Bartholomew Butch Cavendish and The Lone Ranger, which was released in 2013, starring Army Hammer as the Lone Ranger and Johnny Depp as Tonto. Either of you guys see that movie. I, it was painful. I missed it probably on purpose. I watched, like, yeah. it was on TV. I didn't see it. It was, like, on TV for 20 minutes, and it was painful. And again, going back, why is Johnny Depp and playing I think, a Native American? I think that's why I <laughs> like, purposely missed it. Like, why yeah. would you can't? Why would yeah. you cast Johnny Depp as Tonto? Yeah. He's had a string of bad films, bad, bad yeah. role choices. He had, he was awesome in the 90s. A lot of cult movies. I love Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one. Sweeney Todd's amazing, and then he's just kind of gone downhill. I would and, agree. Yeah. yeah, But this isn't about Giant Depp. I know. This is about the Lone Ranger. So why'd you pick this one, Lambert? I don't know. So I was, I was looking at the TV shows, and I think that was one that probably connected with me a little bit because, and I think it probably had to do with my mom because, you know, she would, I, I would remember talking to her and she would watch the show. And she would talk about listening to it on the radio and listening to the Green Hornet on the radio and the Lone Ranger. So I, I must have subconsciously remembered some of those conversations and it kind of just connected with me. Yeah, and as a show to just kind of, again, move from one medium to another, be so popular on radio, and then kind of jump into the small screen. I, I mean, this is a, a show I have not seen, really. I've seen oh, like a couple episodes. Me neither. It's, this is what I watched growing up as a kid. We had all the the VHS they had it on v- and we I watched this show all the time this was like my show growing up I had all the characters and I loved it and now I have a DVD of the series 
I should have brought it in. We could have watched them all. While we're on the screen right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, but again, pretty iconic television show. I, I think all of our parents know it for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it will live on in infamy. So, all right, 1950s TV. That's a wrap. A little bit of nerd outreach, part five. Thank yous. As usual, Chelsea and my daughter, thank you for letting me be here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're never going to do anything else, are you? That's just going to be your, your thing. Thank you to you guys. I'll be sentimental for you, Justin. Thank you for still doing the show. It's been almost a year now. It has. That, I, we've been that going. was going to be my thank you. Yeah. I want to thank you to, um, to all of us surviving the last year to make yeah. it to this point in 2020. Absolutely. What do you I, got? I'd like to thank um, coffee because <laughs> it's really helping me out this morning. And, um, yeah, thank you guys again for, for having me and, and in inviting me to join the crew. And I'm looking forward to, you know, doing some more episodes and digging into some other topics. Thanks for the inv- the, uh, the invention of the television set, too. Yeah. Well, that uh, that mean, also helped, obviously. Obviously, without that, there's no Nerd is a New Cool, because that's what we spend a majority of our time doing is watching TV. <laughs> so true. That's true. So future show suggestions, please send them in via email to nerdisanewcoolpodcast at gmail.com or use hashtag nerdisanewcoolpodcast on any of the socials. Yeah, so you can like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at nerdisanewcoolpodcast or follow us on Twitter as at, at nerdisanewco2. As always, you want to listen, Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Just search Nerd is the New Cool Podcast. But I feel like you've probably figured that out already if you are, in fact, listening to mm-hmm. this episode. But we'll keep telling you anyway. Next episode preview, we're going to branch into something a little bit different. Now that we've got three people, we can do so many more clever things. In this next episode, we're going to talk the Battle of Thermopylae. And Thermopylae. Thermopylae? Yes. Uh, yeah. I have been saying it wrong. Mm-hmm. My whole life is a lie. Yeah. <laughs> So, like yeah. Thermopylae. Yeah. There we go. Look at that. So, look forward to that. Hello, history. Hello, yeah. history. So, thanks again. Talk right. to you soon. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone. Bye bye.